Hello and welcome back to 100% Real with Ruby. We have another mindset habits-based podcast today with Erica and she really digs into, I guess, why we do what we do sometimes and what it is that drives our motives. But like she's going to say, it's it's hard to actually put one thing to it. It is a broad topic. So we're going to try and simmer it down to the most applicable level by the end of this podcast and start off with really honing in on what is it that you feel is a missing component to really, really sustaining anything, whether like Corona hits, something throws up a throws us off path like what is something that most people are missing to actually sustain results because we don't have like a weight loss problem we don't have a problem of people getting fit and losing weight but it's the maintaining it and making it part of a lifestyle what exactly is missing Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't think there's a single answer, but I do think there are some factors that if people can nail from the very offset, um, it would be very helpful in maintaining results. Um, it is going to be quite dependent on the individual, but across all individuals, regardless of what it is, I would think consistency over time and making little actions, habits, are going to be two ways to maintaining whatever results you get and making them sustainable. What do you feel is a massive driving factor for the habits that most people are striving to achieve? Like say someone sees Jenny do like smashing her usual training, doing four days a week, she is able to prep her food. She's able to get in her steps, nail everything. But his muffin Moo, who literally just had a baby about a year ago, she has two other kids and she currently works full time. And then there's someone else who's trying to build a sustainable lifestyle and make some changes, but she also has a family, but she's a single mom trying to juggle all of that. I think it's really difficult to compare, for example, a fitness influencer for whom looking fit, being fit, engaging in all the quote unquote right things to maintain the certain image that they have I don't think that's a very sustainable way of living for women whose for women whose jobs aren't primarily that. So the two examples that you've given, if they're mothers before they are full-time workers and or before any other identity, you can't really expect that they would be able to live the same lifestyle and engage in the same habits that keeps this fitness influencer or coach or whoever this fitness person might be having the mothers try to engage in the same activity at the same intensity every single day is going to be almost impossible. 
because they've got children to look after, they have a full-time job. It's not really their priority to look or live the lifestyle that this particular person who's in the fitness industry does because for them it's a job. If they're single and or if they don't have a family, then they don't have as many responsibilities. So the energy that they can put into looking and being the way that they are, whether it's fit, healthy, uh, whatever lifestyle it is that they manage, I don't think that's a very sustainable and or realistic thing for people who are not in that context to try and achieve, if that makes sense. I think the habits that you build, the certain actions that you can take to become fitter and healthier and a better version of yourself is going to be different depending on what your life is, depending on what your context and your environment is. That's going to look different depending on what your responsibilities are. And this is such a big thing that many people are missing. And it, this is the one thing pretty much, in my opinion, that is holding a lot of people back. We're comparing ourselves to what other people are doing and how other people are approaching fitness, approaching food. We're trying to see what other mums are doing. We're trying to hold ourselves to other people's standards, other people's expectations. And then that leads us to put unrealistic habits unrealistic goals unrealistic expectations on ourselves which only leads us to feel like a failure and this kind of ties into the past posts that I have done on the whole fuck it mentality where you may have a little lapse and then say fuck it and then that can lead to a a yo-yoing effect and if it's not that then it can lead into nightly binge eating or overeating or it can lead to just completely just blowing off stress. Left People right throw out the baby with the bathwater, yeah. like the complete tank. It's like, oh, I've just seen a piece of chocolate. I might as well just go and binge on that ice cream. Well, I've just screwed up my diet completely. I'm just going to go all out this week and then start again next week. And then, you know, the process repeats. Um, I think there's two things to consider here. So the first thing is, what you see on social media is hardly ever going to be true. (laughs) Um, When it comes to fitness influencers or coaches who market themselves, um, they're marketing themselves for a particular audience, for example. Um, And I think the way that they look is going to be partially due to things like the genetics, also having the privilege to have been born the way way that they have been born. having the luxury to be able to eat and train the way that they do without being limited by, you know, the same things that full-time workers or mothers might be, you know, because if they've got kids, if they've got a family to look after, then they're not going to, again, be able to uh, have the time and the energy to spend into two-hour workouts, two-a-day workouts, and or, you know, having their entire day's worth of meals planned. Um, and tracking super meticulously, which should get you to look the way that these fitness influencers do. Um, I also think that you could eat and train the same way that that, that these influ- uh, fitness people do and still look and feel completely different just because you don't have their bodies. Um, uh, and then I've lost my train of thought here, but third is also... You could do it, how re- have the whole... Mm-hmm. I can't sustain it anymore. This isn't sustainable. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it's the black and white thinking as well. So it's like, oh, I'm going to be, it's it's the all or nothing mentality. And I think that's that tends to be where people fall down. They go, I'm either in it or I'm not. 
therefore, if I deviate slightly off plan, then I'm a failure. Therefore, I'm just going to, um, you know, just uh, screw it all for today or this entire week and then start again next week, you know, fresh. And I'm not going to fall off the wagon again, which is rarely the case. Yeah, yeah. And this is exactly segueing into what we were talking about prior to clicking record is reframing failures. Like we learn more from the mistakes that we make and the slip ups than we do from succeeding because it's those mistakes, it's those slip ups that build us up, that grow us, that teach us more problem solving skills, that make us more resilient in day to day life. Like it's those moments that push us forward to be the best version of ourselves. So when it comes to reframing failure, this is something that a lot of people, you know, that's what leads to throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like how would you consider reframing failure and failure in itself as integral to the process and reframing the way that we see it so we don't let ourselves down and then not not think we're made for it anymore so i think the first thing to keep in mind here is that fear, fear of failure is completely normal i think there's always going to be a sense of anxiety and stress associated with i don't want to fail i don't want to make mistakes because um that in itself can be very scary um also having to face the thought of oh maybe i wasn't good enough that's why i made a mistake and that's why i failed i think all of that can be very scary um, that being said, uh, having had a few comps where I've bombed out, having had, um, you know, a history where I've tried dieting and then I had days when I fell off the wagon and then uh, tried to jump back on the next week after having gone on, you know, quite long overeating um, uh, fests, I suppose is what you'd call it. This was years back, um, but I know what it's like to have been there. I know what it's like to have the all or nothing mentality and I know what it's like to want to be perfect and strive for perfection. So firstly, there's that, acknowledge the fact that there's always going to be a fear of failure and that's absolutely okay. Um, fear as an emotion itself is not the problem. It, it's going to be about, okay, well, what do we do with that? And what do we do with the mistakes? Um, second thing would be if we look at mistakes and failures, not as failures of our abilities or ourselves or our worth but rather they are providing us opportunities to see okay well why did this happen and what can I do by knowing the why it happened to not do it again or how can I improve based on this why so let's say for example um, I'll, I'll, I'll use a bit of a personal example I competed in the APU States um, powerlifting competition just a couple of months ago. And uh, it was the first time I actually bombed out on all three of my squat attempts. It's never happened before. I'd already squatted these weights during training, um, but that day just, just did a workout and I couldn't hit depth, kept getting red lighted all three rounds. So um, just could, did not even qualify for nationals. I still went on to um, break an unofficial bench press record in my weight class uh, for the States championships even though it didn't count. But um, even after that failure, I still managed to go and complete all my attempts for the bench and deadlift, even though I had a lot of people going, is there really like a point? Shouldn't you just like not bother because you've already failed the squats anyway. Um, but having look at those squats 
attempts, there were two things to realize. So firstly, it wasn't that my training failed me. It was rather that because I had been training alone for so long, um, there was no way for me to accurately gauge whether I'd hit depth during training. Therefore, going to comp, um, the way I practiced shows and I wasn't able to hit depth. So that already showed, okay, where can I do better in my training? Keep myself more accountable, film, send my coach, um, more of my sets, uh, train with other people where possible so that they can keep me accountable as well. And then, so the mistakes there of bombing out on all three squats in competition already gave me the opportunity to reevaluate what I can do better in my training and also how, how I can communicate with my coach to be better in the future as well. Um, so I think these mistakes and failures, even though when you're going through them, they might hit quite hard. If you really sit down and think about it, they're all providing all these opportunities for you not to repeat these again. And therefore, they're providing you an opportunity for growth so that you don't go back to repeating these same mistakes. If we look at this from the context of food and overeating and relying on food as an emotional crutch, um, I'd like to also preface this by saying relying on food as an emotional crutch and turning to food for comfort in itself is not something that people should feel bad or guilty or shameful for. Sometimes if that's what your body needs, if that's the only way you can cope, it's what happens. Now, if you're one of these people who, again, in the food context, you feel that you're failing every single time you have a little bit of chocolate or you deviate off plan or you feel like, um, you know, having like a, I hate using this word, but like cheat meal um, makes you feel guilty and you go on these really big overeating junk food binge fests after thinking, well, I've already eaten a bit of that chip or eaten a bit of that burger. I might as well just, you know, stuff myself to the point of fullness and then start again tomorrow. One thing, uh, I think two things that might help would be journaling. Journaling is actually an activity you can actually engage in um, to firstly reflect on, okay, well, what was happening in the moment leading into this overeating or me turning to food for comfort? What were the preceding events? How did I feel during, before and after? So journaling would be a really good one. Um, journaling also allows yourself the opportunity to reflect on these mistakes and failures so that you're less likely to think of them as, oh, well, I failed and I'm, you know, I'll never be able to lose weight. I'll never be able to have a healthy relationship with food. I'll never be able to be healthy. Um, this is where I'm always going to be. Um, I think looking at these mistakes as opportunities for you to reevaluate, okay, well, why did this happen? What can I do? to not repeat these mistakes again is it turning to a loved one for comfort is it getting a coach to help me with my training and my nutrition is it going to see a psychologist to work through why is it that when I'm stressed when I'm emotional I turn I, I, I do these behaviors um, I think all of that will help reframe what these little slip-ups might be and make it less likely for you to um, fall off the wagon again in the future Something else that I want to say journaling helps with is the art of visualization. It allows you to visualize what the ideal version of you would do next time and actually see it happening. And it's almost like having an if-then scenario. If this happens, then that. But the thing is, if that slip up and failure, quote unquote, didn't happen in the first place, you wouldn't have 
another way to go around it and it wouldn't have given you that hey I I I went through that before I can get through it again and that's something so many people forget is that you've been through shit storms before like failures whatever and you come through it on the other side but when all you can focus on is where you're not at right now the expectations of society when you're too busy running around for your partner your kids this person that person you're not putting yourself first, which is going to be the next really big topic we're going to talk about. If you're too busy being everything for everyone else, you don't give yourself the chance to just pause and reflect, to better yourself, to grow yourself. So it's so much easier to fall into the cycle of yo-yoing. And it is that hard to unlearn certain behaviors, to unlearn certain beliefs. Like unlearning things is probably one of the most important things that many of us struggle to do because we have these beliefs that made us the way that we were. We have these beliefs, these actions, these habits that we, like it, it kept, it served us in one way. That's why it was so hard to break. That's why, that's why we are where we are right now. Like there's some reason that we were doing something to serve us in a certain way. And I guess that's pretty much what I want to touch on with you is how can we unlearn all that well, not all that, but how can we unlearn to then become and start putting ourselves first? I think on the note of journaling, actually, I was also going to say um, one thing it could also provide you the opportunity to do is focus more on what you did better and what you did well compared to focusing on just the mistake or the failure. Because every time you make a mistake or every time you believe that you failed, um, if you have learned from the previous one, then there's going to be things that you have done better. You might have noticed that you were turning to food for comfort, for example, whereas maybe two weeks ago, you might not have. So it's that increased awareness of the self and also increased awareness of, okay, like um, noticing how you're improving and how you're learning from the previous, uh, previous mistakes and failures as well. Um, in terms of how can we unlearn, <laughs> uh, I would highly recommend that if you have any, I'm, okay, I'm going to think, I'm going to say that most people will benefit from some form of psychological therapy. And I think there's actually really big stigma attached to seeking mental health care. Uh, whereas we go and see the GP, if we have any small ailments, we also do lots of things to preserve our physical health. Um, such as engaging in exercise, um, going for walks, uh, you know, doing things that make us feel good. But when it comes to mental health, for some reason, there's a massive barrier, even though um, psychologists and psychology and mental health care can be used not only to treat people who are already mentally ill, but actually help people thrive. So you can go from treating illness to actually promoting wellness. So I would say definitely go seek some form of mental health care, um, even if you don't believe that you need it. Um, you know, you, we don't train and we don't eat well to heal from a sickness. We do it so that we can thrive and be better and feel great in our own bodies. So I think it's the same with mental health care. Um, a lot of the stuff that we have learnt as a child can actually start from even before we can remember so we were, when we were in our mother's womb, um, even when we were um, an egg, 
in our mother's ovaries. So there's a lot of evidence now, but uh, a lot of evidence now for things like intergenerational trauma. So trauma and experiences being passed down for about three generations, because obviously a woman is born with a finite amount of eggs that she will forever carry for her life um, from when she's actually an embryo. So, um, so it's acknowledging uh, that for one, and also the fact that when we are born, we are born into an environment where uh, there's certain things that are sort of predetermined for us. So, you know, our parents, well, the socioeconomic status, the type of education that we receive, the uh, type of material that we're exposed to, especially things around diet culture. So, you know, if you're born a woman and or if you're born and you identify as a girl or a woman, then there's going to be things that you are drawn towards, things like, you know, being made to wear pink or being exposed to Disney movies. And or if your um, mother had a really hard time losing weight and she had magazines everywhere around her, which was always about weight loss, then you would have grown up being exposed to that. So having to unlearn all that conditioning, which comes from both a personal and a societal sort of environment, um, that can be a lot of work, a lot of work to do. Um, it's not impossible, but again, seeking healthcare for where you need it is going to be one of them. Getting a coach who can help you through this is going to be another one. Um, but it's also about becoming very aware of what sort of behaviours that you have that are quite harmful um, and reflect some of the more negative inner dialogue that you might have about yourself so for example if you're looking in the mirror what is the first thing that you recognize yourself saying to yourself is that you look in the mirror and you look at your stomach and you go oh like why do I still have this I'm so ugly like I don't understand why I can't look like those girls who are on social media um with that sort of dialogue we might not even be conscious that we're doing it until we catch ourselves and really question okay what is it that I'm seeing in the mirror what is it that I'm feeling right now as I look at my reflection um, so that sort of awareness and questioning of how am I talking to myself when I see my body and when I'm moving around in my body, I think is going to be one of the first steps to unlearning um, some of the conditioning that we have uh, that has led us to be very negative about our bodies and self-image. So <laughs> that's actually a very important, like, a very important, I guess, pathway to go down because you're saying that all these things are pretty much predetermined and we can't control a lot of those things until we become aware. And I wanted to also mention that sometimes just the awareness in itself, like listening to podcasts, reading self-help books, like actually doing the inner work and not just the physical work. Like you don't just have a physical gym, you have a mental gym, which is why I say a strong and sculpted mind and body. That's always been my slogan, strong and sculpted mind and body, because you need to have a strong mind and then you sculpt the mind, a strong body, and then you sculpt the body. And it like, you may not even make it to the doorway of a psychologist's office or a therapist's office. It might just be the power of actually putting yourself first and actually taking time to listen to podcasts, to read some self-help books, to question yourself more, to get to know yourself more, to going back to the journaling, to journaling more, to talking to yourself more and realizing what words you actually use when you do talk to yourself more, because that stuff is important. Now, as Erica was really going on about with the whole, this stuff 
you can't really control it until you're aware of it. To unlearn it all, the first step is forgiving yourself from all of that. Like you need to be willing to forgive yourself so that you can move forward. And yes, accountability, support, all of that stuff is so important. And I overlooking the like overlooking the impact of these mental intrusions, they're not just conscious, they're also unconscious and they can impact our belief of success, our belief of moving forward, our expectations to always fail, our expectations that we're not good at, like we believe that we're not good enough, we're not made for this. We start to have emotions overwhelm us again, compare ourselves to other people, talk to ourselves negatively, not put ourselves first anymore because we just spent all that time bringing all that back. And it's like, this is how important it is to actually focus on the stuff that seems stupid and meaningless because it is so easy to relax. Like relapse is normal because we've been conditioned these ways. And that is something we've done for however many years. It's just like, it didn't take you however many years to put on all of that fat or weight, for example, you're not going to take it off in 12 weeks. It's the same thing with your habits. You didn't build that over just one year, two years. You need to be patient. And it's the lack of patience that stops so many people. They expect to have mastered everything within the first two days, one week, one month of trying. Heck, people even expect to have mastered it yesterday. So I guess really digging into the weak link and the impact of these mental intrusions what would you have to say about how all of that kind of blends into each other to then addressing the fact that these systems are really important, your environment is really important? So I think one of the things I really like to tell my clients and something that I'm quite vocal about is awareness alone is insufficient for change, but it's the crucial precursor for change. So you will never, ever be able to change something that you are not aware of that you are doing. So let's say you engage in a behavior, um, if you don't even believe that it is harmful and or if you're not even aware that you are doing it until you have already done it, then it's going to be impossible for you to firstly want to change and secondly, work towards changing that behavior. Things like the journaling, um, journaling is a tool for you to, to, to increase that awareness. So you know, like you said, talking to yourself, journaling, mindfulness, um, all those things like that provide you an opportunity where you're able to increase the awareness towards the behaviours um, that you may engage in that are harmful and or not conducive to your goals and increase awareness to your own inner dialogue in terms of how you describe and how you speak to yourself. I think a lot of people are firstly quite unaware of how harsh the inner dialogue is and how unforgiving they are of themselves over the mistakes that if their loved one had made they would look upon with absolute compassion and empathy and also provide them a different perspective on okay yes you made this mistake but this doesn't define you um let's work towards how we can get better at it um so i think for a lot of people, a bit more self-kindness and a bit more willingness to look upon themselves with the same compassion that they would to the people that they love is really important. Um, so not only becoming aware of how it is that they speak to themselves, that is quite negative so that they can start working towards not speaking themselves in that way, 
um, but then also being very being much kinder to themselves when they do make mistakes um, and being aware yet again of when they're starting to beat themselves down and criticize themselves for the small mistakes that they've made and I'm um, trying to change that dialogue into something a bit more positive like okay well that happened however I can what are the steps that I can take to you know not repeat this mistake again um, because we all make mistakes we all fall off the wagon sometimes we all relapse um, we all engage in behaviors that might not be very good for us from time to time and that's okay really emphasizing catch yourself winning you need to catch yourself winning more because if all you yeah. focus on all of these slip-ups you're going to keep repeating those slip-ups because that's that's your inner dialogue this is how important inner dialogue is I think it's absolutely important to make sure that for every time you criticize yourself <laughs> um, you also focus on something that you've done really well I think that is one thing that people don't do enough of um, People will always focus on the things that they did wrong. They might focus on the one thing that they could have done better over the 10 things that they did better this time. Um, again, things like journaling, again, it's another tool for them to be able to uh, notice when they have done some things that are better. And I think really taking the opportunity to recognize when they've done something well and congratulate themselves for it is really important in the same way that you would praise a child or you would praise a loved one for doing something really well. Yeah. Um... It's what would, I guess sometimes as well, it's really being genuine with your inner dialogue when it's like when you're actually trying to change it, being genuine with it. And maybe you might have some examples as well, but there are some people that try, but don't do as in they will try to say something they're grateful for or an affirmation about themselves. But realistically, it's not really an affirmation. It's not really a gratitude it's not really something positive it's them trying without believing it what do you have to say about that and do you have any practical tips on that one yep so uh first thing i would probably like to say is when people are going through a really tough time especially during the times of lockdown for example and you are genuinely genuinely suffering um the ability to be able to see the positives and focus on the positives focusing on the things you can control does not necessarily negate how uncomfortable and how stressed and how negative you still may feel. So um, I think it's acknowledging that both those emotions can exist in the same space. I think it's very important to sit with the fact that, yes, you may be uncomfortable, yes, you may be stressed, and that's okay. It's a very normal response to a very stressful situation that almost everyone is impacted by to some extent at the moment. Um, so I, in terms of a practical example, I think one of the most recent ones I could probably use is you're the same as well, but as a sole trader in the fitness industry, um, we've all been hit pretty hard. Um, so for the first few days, it was a matter of, okay, well, I feel like this. <laughs> um, uh, what can I do to not necessarily make myself feel better, but what are some of the actions that I can take that will help take the focus away from everything is really crap and stressful because that in itself is not going to change. Me sitting there feeling really sorry for myself, feeling really crappy and also feeling really worried for my other friends who are also in the fitness industry and all the other small businesses and also worrying about the fallout of this. You know, we, we can probably do this for a very long time, but it's going to be the burnout and 
how we're going to manage after once gyms do reopen and once, you know, the restaurants can operate again, um, things like that, et cetera. So very future oriented worry. Um, what are some of the things that I can do in the present that can help with that? Um, I think I recently made a post about this, but there are, I think there are three steps that can really help change uh, how to approach this stressful situation. So first thing would be to really notice and even physically note down, such as journaling, um, even one thing that you have and are grateful for every day. So I found that as the restrictions got worse, I would sit down at the end of the day and notice certain things. So um, I had the opportunity, for example, to uh, help and interact more with some coaches and athletes and friends who I otherwise don't see because we're sharing the park, sharing, um, sharing this public space where we can provide training equipment and um, share this experience together. So that sense of community was something that I found I really appreciated. Um, that was one thing I was noticing. I was being grateful for almost every day. Um, and then there were also the moments that had passed, uh, or sorry, the moments that were before the restrictions came in that I found I was being grateful for as well. So my sister and I had the opportunity to visit my dad who's outside my 10 kilometer radius um, the day before the restrictions got worse to, um, in, uh, sorry, to decrease the radius to 10 kilometers and you can't go anything outside of that. So it was the gratefulness of having been able to do that as well. Um, and noticing that, oh, okay, I, well, I was still given the opportunity to be able to do that before all this happened. Um, now, uh, and then the second would be, okay, focusing on some of the positives that have come out of this really, really stressful period. And there always is one, um, or there, there always is a few. It's just a matter of, okay, not just reframing, but just noticing, okay, well, then what are, what are some of the good things that have come up? I think one of the good things is it, has highlighted a sense of community. It has also, for me, um, shown me that uh, my clients are very resilient, my colleagues and some of the coaches that I work with are extremely resilient and we're all in it together. Um, so that's been a positive, just like being able to go out every, almost every morning and every day and see them. Um, that's actually made things a lot more bearable as a whole. Um, another positive is that most, if not all, my clients have remained continuing to do PT with me. Um, and I'm still getting more exposure every day just by being out in the park with my own equipment. Um, another positive, I'm getting to see the sunlight every day, whereas normally I'm inside. So it's just about noticing the little things because, yes, it's a really stressful time, but it being a stressful and shit time does not, uh, does not take away from these positives that I've just listed. Does that make sense? It does. So there's a positive... Next to the negative Reframing um, is probably the most important thing that you can do because yeah. reframing mm -hmm. can relate to everything, can re relate to your relationship with food. It can relate to a slip up with food. It can relate yes. to your relationship yeah. with exercise. And as mm -hmm. like it's missing one of your lips or missing one of the workout things, mm -hmm. like reframing it and looking yep. for the positive because you see what you look for. And something mm -hmm. that Erica touched on is that one of her biggest positives was community. And this is where getting to know yourself really well comes into play because mm -hmm. the only reason that probably served her was because she values community. She values connection. We need to know what our values are and then ask ourselves, what is it that I can do that I am in control of that can make me feel this way that isn't going to the gym, that isn't mm -hmm. doing what I used to do. Like you want to still elicit similar feelings to those 
that you used to get from things that you obviously can't do anymore. And mm. oh, it's, yeah, it's like your environment is really powerful in pushing you forwards to that. So yep. one last thing I really wanted to touch on in regards to that is relationships and toxic relationships, because like you can make all of these changes within yourself. You can get the accountability to give yourself move forward. But if you're still in an environment, environment and toxic relationships, but if you're still getting put into an environment or letting toxic relationships and negative people around you still affect you, it's stopping you from moving forward, regardless of how much you want to change. You might want to change and start to actually feel better, start to keep making progress, to feel motivated to do this, that, and the other. But then as soon as you're back in this environment, this can even be work, which is probably something you can't change. Like when people have that whole work environment that they're constantly getting put into, it's kind of pulling them back like an anchor. Mm. Um, so just before I move on to that one, in terms of actually practical tips, because this could still work for the reframing the mindset as well. Firstly, yes, focus on the positive. So I would say for every negative thing that you come up with, whether it's about your own body, about your food, about the mistakes that you've made, try to think of at least two to three positives next to that single negative, because there will always be something. Um, second would be focus on the things that you can control. So like I said before, um, we can't control how long the lockdowns go for. However, we can control whether, um, you know, we still go out there and try to provide for our clients. With my clients, they can control like, how much exposure to the sunlight and how much training they're getting in. All of those are little things that we still can control in a very seemingly uncontrollable situation. Um, that being said, life in itself is uncontrollable, really. Like, you know, it's always uncertain. So, um, and then... I think in terms of what you've said now, in terms of the toxic relationships of the environment, um, I think there's a saying, you become most like the five people that you hang around with, right? And I, I actually really, really do believe that that is true. Um, if you're the only positive person amongst five other negative people who see the negatives in every single positive scenario that you bring up, that's going to bring you down. Um, I think the one thing I tell my clients, uh, one thing I'm very mindful of as well, if when someone comes in for a stretch road training session is that this is one hour out of the 24 hour day that they have out of the seven days of the week. So you could come into the gym, do all the right things for an hour. You could eat the right thing for one hour of your day. But if you go straight back into the toxic, stressful work environment that you have at home and, or if you're in a abusive home environment where you don't feel safe the one hour at the gym is not going to do as much as it could if you're in an environment that was conducive to your goals and your health as well that that's actually perfect it's spot on I love it so I guess to sum it all up I am going to kind of tie in what she said before into a practical example of two women who are once again, massively self-critical, want results yesterday, want to start seeing results, it, still negating the whole feeling and all the other aspects of progress that come into it because all they want to be is be a master already, already be able to find it so easy, already start seeing results when they're pretty much just trying to stay consistent and be, break these bad beliefs. But 
that hyper focus on the critical self-talk on wanting results yesterday and just focusing on the the seeing of the progress what would you give them as practical tips to break the cycle when you say that they're self-critical is it that they can't like they keep focusing on the negatives and they can't focus on like the progress whereas you can see the progress yeah what they can't do how like how hard it is for them all the stuff that is self-deprecating like I just want to, I just want to lose this belly fat already. I, I just still have this belly fat already or I, I, yeah, everything is, I can't, or I this, or yeah, if they're not focusing on where they're going and being patient with the process because they're too busy putting themselves down for what they're not. Um, I would think one thing that really tends, well, I think there's two things that tends to help. So first thing would be when they chat to you, for you to help them keep log of their own progress, whether it's the weights that they're lifting, the quality of their form and their movement, how they're feeling. Um, so the progress that they've seen here. So a lot of the time, like I've seen this with my clients as well, where they PB on a deadlift or a bench or a squat and their movement patterns are so much better and they're lifting 10 kilos more than they used to they step on the scale and they're like a kilo up and they're like, oh, why am I even bothering to do this? Um, So it's about, remember what I said, for every negative, they need to generate two to three positives. So every single time they think I can't, you need to get them. Well, one thing that might help actually is for them to write down two to three things that they have done and or can do now that they couldn't before. When we talk about the reframing, it's going to be about that as well. So for every negative that they bring up, we then try to generate and push their focus onto some of the more positive things that they have been able to do and the improvements that they've made as well. It's so easy to focus just on the negative. And it's a, we're, we're wired for that because we're wired to always detect threat. Um, that's in our environment because we're like you know, fight or flight. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, so it's about, yeah, again, um, every single time they come up with something negative, try to generate and or take their focus onto, okay, yes, yes, that that's there. Okay. It's, it's not that that's not there. However, look at all this other progress that you've made. This is even more important than this. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a perfect place to land it because when you start focusing on all of those positives, it's so much easier to feel the progress, to enjoy mm. the process. And that's when it actually becomes sustainable. It's like people come to me wanting to lose fat, wanting to look like this person, wanting to have this body, wanting, wanting to lose all this fat. Like it's all focused on exterior. But what they don't realize is that once they actually trust in the process, once they actually trust in themselves, trust in the, like, trust in me, their coach, and just do the habits, just do the things and stop trying to make simple shit complex, it's almost like you forget that you're chasing these, like, number goals now because you are becoming the person. Like, we, like, it's like, why do you want to look like that? Why do you want to have that number on the scale? It's to make you like elicit a feeling that you think is going to come from that. But once you actually let all of that go, it never becomes about the weight anymore. It never becomes about what's on the scale, what your body looks like, because you're starting to feel all of those things because you're letting yourself feel it. But if you're going to keep self-deprecating, 
you are never going to be like be able to feel happy or satisfied or accomplished on the way to your end goals. And I think a lot of these people who are quite self-deprecating, one thing to keep in mind might be a lot of the criticisms that we tell ourselves sometimes aren't criticisms um, that we tell ourselves. It's things that we've been brought up being told, whether it's by our parents, um, our primary caregivers and or teachers or, um, you know, by society as well. So it's, I think in this case, it really, really is important that for every self-deprecating um, thought that they may have, they should generate something that they really do like or has been a positive thing about themselves. Um, no one is going to be able to, the thing is you could have the most perfect body, most perfect anything, and society will still tell you that it's not good enough. You know, it's it, society and the beauty industry and the fitness industry doesn't really work when we, you know, when, when it, the only way it can succeed is when people feel bad, because then when people feel bad, they will then invest money into trying to make themselves feel and look better. Um, but even then they get told that it's not enough. I do think that the effort, the energy, the money that you invest into getting a good coach, learning how to move your body properly, feeding your body well and training really hard for the purposes of health. And then being able to see and be really, really comfortable in this body that is your skin. So I always talk about how the body is the house that you'll live in forever. It's the clothing that you wear every day. You want to make it someplace that you feel safe and comfortable in. Training, eating well, taking care of yourself are actually going to be primary ways to do that in the same way that we clean our house. We take pride in what it looks like. We adorn ourselves with clothes that make us feel confident and good. This is our body. Um, we're going to live in it for a long time, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and that's the thing. Our body can look a certain way and we might really love it, but society might tell us it's still not enough. So why are we trying to fit ourselves into what society wants us instead of how we want to feel? How we feel in our own bodies is the most important because that's the one that we carry. You know, you just have to be good enough for yourself. And I think when it comes to the mothers that we've spoken about before, where, you know, it's really hard to put themselves first before their children and before their work or whatever other responsibilities that they have, they have to understand that when they're, you know, eating well, training, the hour that they spend that, you know, where they do that um, with your clients as well, that is an hour that they're investing into the house and the clothing that is their body. You know, it's not for anyone else, but by be taking care of themselves, they can also be better carers for the people that they have the responsibility to right yeah and mm. you don't realize all of that stuff if all you're doing is focusing on everything that you're not like you're not giving out you're not no. around you mm. and mm. That, that's so perfect it's the perfect we ended this we ended this chat way more powerful than we started it and you got all those positive ways of moving forward and shifting your focus because that's what it's really all about just like lockdown happened we had to shift our focus from what we knew just like when like when anything happens and it takes us away from our usual routine it's a matter of pivoting just pivot and mm -hmm. reframe the way that you see things if it is not serving you don't allow something to live in your head if it's something that is not serving you. So 
I guess I it's also that's the thing too like if you're if you're really stuck inside and you're stuck inside your own body and your head and you're it's it's not a nice place it can be really difficult to turn that around but it's not impossible it just requires the willingness to want to change that and want to see the positive things um again being able to see the positives doesn't mean that the situation in itself isn't stressful there's there's always going to be that because there are so many things about this that we can't control but there are also a lot of things that we can control and that includes how we feel yeah and whether it's, it's in our bodies or our minds yeah everything mm. is temporary for as long as we allow it to live there and yeah sometimes temporary seems like a lifetime but that's when you enlist help you mm. make a move like you can't sit still and expect things to change no that, that's the thing yeah that's it, the it's funny because uh awareness is one thing for change but so is the willingness of the person to change those two are crucial but neither of them are sufficient by itself you need the awareness and the willingness together i, I don't want to add any more to that because that's too powerful willing <laughs> the willingness and the awareness to change need to marry each other to move forward because that's what's going to drive all of the habits that we spoke about because you're aware and you're willing to do what we said you're aware and you're willing to put yourself first to stop comparing yourself to everyone else and realize because you're now aware that the expectations you have of yourself aren't really yours by societies and now you can change through willingness some people will find it harder than others and that's okay so I guess that's a really good place to leave this and I will put anything else in the description box below I will link Erica's her stretch with e Instagram down below as well because she talks all things mindset movement movements medicine all the things that aren't just the physical but the mental as well because there is so much to becoming your best self and it all starts with you being aware of I need to change and then being willing to change but then you need to have the tools and that's where all these different resources come in a coach a book a podcast a therapist you just need to make the change and move Thank you and see you on the next episode.